Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike, episode three, this time featuring a woman. <laughs> Didn't your last one feature a woman? Oh, you're right, it did. <laughs> I, I forgot I did that one. Uh, okay, well, this is a different woman. Her name is Sarah, and she's going to be t- talking with us today. We're going to be talking about art and murder and and art and also murder. Can't forget the murder. Mm. Uh, we're going to start. Tell us something about yourself. Now, who do you think would win in a fight between three dinosaurs and a smaller dinosaur? But the smaller dinosaur has a gun. Okay, so it's a group of dinosaurs versus a smaller dinosaur with a gun? Yes. But the dinosaur doesn't really have opposable thumbs, so I guess the three bigger dinosaurs. Oh, I didn't think she would catch that, but she <laughs> did. That just shows I have the smartest guests ever. This is a world-renowned art expert, Sarah, who also knows how to outwit my logic puzzles. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun art things on this episode. It's going to be great. And here we go. We're going to start off by talking about some colors. There's lots of different colors. The human eye can see like seven whole colors, maybe more. Some species of shrimp can see hundreds of colors, like the mantis shrimp. Um, I'm sure you're all very familiar with that. Uh, it featured in the Netflix film Project Power. That was what Jamie's Fox, Jamie Foxx's character's power was. It was based off a of bullet shrimp, which is the same thing as a mantis shrimp. They punch the water so fast, it's hotter than the surface temperature of the sun. It disintegrates the bubbles around them. Very cool. But anyway, how many colors can you see, Sarah? Uh, a lot. The a human lot. can act, human being can act, human beings can actually see a lot of different colors. That is so cool. I do have a color fact. Oh, tell us more. Well, color theory is a very broad thing, and there's a lot of things involving colors and science because they tie together, you know, with light and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that I can't actually, I'm not an art expert. I'm an elementary art teacher, but I know quite a bit about art through just me being a nerd and wanting to learn more about it. But One of the cool facts that I found out is there's two types of, there's several types of color groupings, colors that are grouped together. Uh, One of them being the warm and the cool colors, which the warm colors are red, orange, and yellow. And the cool colors are green, red, or green, blue, and purple. So you can split the color wheel in half. But they did some science behind it because the reason why it's called the warm versus the cool colors is because the warm colors, there's actually a sign experiment that was done on these colors where people would look at the warm colors and their heart would actually beat a little bit faster which if you know your body warms up if your heart's beating faster now it's very small almost insignificant but it was interesting to kind of see that data and see that their heart rate did increase when they saw the more stimulating colors like the warm colors versus the cool colors that would cause your heart rate to go down because they were cooler and calmer to look at that's so interesting. That's just like the the Eastern philosophies involving chakras and different chakra spheres in the body can be activated by wearing different colors. For example, right now I'm wearing a, a brown shirt, so that's not activating any of my chakras because to <laughs> my knowledge, no chakras are brown. But if I was wearing an orange shirt, then that would work with the orange chakra, which is somewhere in the torso, I think. We're going to pull up a photo and get this all sorted out later. But that's very interesting. Where do you think that comes from? I would have to say uh, when cave people first developed fire, fire is like red and orange. That would make my heart beat a little faster if I was holding a stick that was on fire. Well, and that like that probably is part of it. I mean, those you know, there's a lot of colors in nature that I mean, you know, you see different animals and they'll flash these very big bright colors. Some of them being to attract mates, and others, you know, just to give warning signs to other creatures. Um, but also too, like in the modern time. 
a lot of people like uh, marketing teams and stuff like that, they look heavily at colors to stimulate the eye, stimulate emotions, because like red is a big one and that's just kind of to excite and show boldness. Even like when you're going into an interview and you wear certain colors, um, for example, again, if you wear like a red color, you look a lot more sophisticated and kind of like bold as a person. Um, so there's definitely different like meanings behind colors. Yellow is a sunnier color. Um, I think purple, you know, it's always been associated with kind of being regal and stuff like that. So colors have a lot of different meanings and it can mean stuff to people like subconsciously that you're not really thinking about, but in your mind, you're thinking, you know, you're feeling certain ways with certain colors. That is so interesting. So I have this photo here that I pulled up with the chakras here. I'll show you. Okay. There's, there's these are, this is the basic seven things the one i was talking about the orange is the sacral chakra that one's located below your navel uh, according to this it represents creative and sexual energies uh your imbalanced <laughs> orange chakra would be would show lack of creativity sexual dysfunction withheld intimacy and emotional isolation so the solution to all the problems anyone is facing especially in married life because there's a lot of divorces that's that's on the rise it's wearing orange just wear orange paint the walls orange your sex life will be fixed your emotional problems will be fixed just paint the room orange uh, I'd like to uh, to make an asterisk behind that. This is not a medical claim, so I can't be sued if, or held liable if this doesn't work. on Google. I, I'm just rambling on. But anyway, we're here to talk about Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, he painted some stars at night or something. Is that right? Yes. He was a Dutch uh, post-impressionist painter. Now, he, now, what does that mean? So post-impressionism, the impressionist movement mainly started by uh, Claude Monet, who did like the lily pads and stuff like that, was basically um, capturing a moment in time using these small dots, basically, or they would use pointillism. Basically, you're catching this very blurry but light-filled picture. And um, it was a really cool way. It brought a lot of, about a lot of emotions and brought a new way of looking at stuff. The Impressionists were not loved because at the time we had a lot of classic artists that would look at the stuff and be like, oh, this is just crap that someone threw together. It doesn't actually look like it took a lot of time or effort, even though if you look at it very closely, you're looking at like tiny pixels that Think about like looking at pixels on a TV. Like if you look real close, you just see all these different colors and spots. But as you back away, you see an image. That was kind of their concept was doing these little tiny dots of paint, putting them all together and making an image that, um, again, a lot, of, a lot of little people liked. The Impressionism movement, the post-Impressionism movement was afterwards. And that was when Vincent Van Gogh came in, Paul Gauguin, and um, what was the other artist? Cezanne. They were all part of like the post-Impressionism. Cezanne, Paul Cezanne. He oh, did a lot okay. of fruits and stuff like that. But yes. Oh, is he the one that painted the fruit bowl? There, he painted a lot of different fruit bowls. <laughs> he did a lot with fruit. But the post impressionism movement was basically you were getting more into these bold lines and focusing on color. Vincent Van Gogh's big thing was color theory, actually. He loved using uh, complementary colors, which are colors opposite to each other on the color wheel that provide, they kind of, um, they kind of, promote the other color basically so if you put like say red balls on a christmas tree it stands out because they're opposite to the color wheel uh if you look at a lot of brands like um fanta it's got like a or it's it's orange mainly but it's got a blue background and that makes it pop out a lot of companies use complementary colors but vincent van gogh loved complementary colors because it helped the picture and painting his picture and painting stand out and stuff yeah, i've got an interesting question about that you're talking about fanta so my question is what did freddie mercury say when he spilled his Fanta into the ocean. I have no idea. He said, is this a fantasy? <laughs> I love it. Ah, it's like a pun. Puns. So that's very interesting stuff. So you're saying that these people that were looked at 
not very well back then, but now they're very popular. Well, as soon as the post-impressionism movement started, a lot of people got famous, like Paul Gauguin was one of the famous artists, which caused a lot of, um, well, it caused a lot of conflict with Vincent van Gogh it, later in time, at the time. So, interesting story. So, a lot of people say that Vincent van Gogh cut off his ear, but there's actually different theories to that. I think it'd be pretty hard to cut off your ear. Like, I have to get really intoxicated to do that without being in a lot of pain and i mean he was he did drink um what is that really loopy looking alcohol um you put like the um it starts with an a absinthe absinthe yes absinthe and he would drink a lot of that which would actually cause you to hallucinate so that kind of is this available in stores today it is available and there's actually a vincent mango brand of absinthe do you have some i don't where would we acquire this Probably at an ABC store or online. All right. We're going to end the podcast. Now. <laughs> we're going to go acquire some. We'll be back for part two. And we're back. Part two. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful in finding the Van Gogh alcohol. What I did find, however, was a charcuterie board with various cheeses on it. And so I, I'm very happy with that choice. Um, now, so you're saying because he was a heavy drinker, we think someone else cut his ear off. Well, no, that's kind of, well, some people say that the influence of alcohol probably caused him to cut off his ear. And that mixed with uh, a friend of his named Paul Gauguin. So Paul Gauguin was another famous post-impressionist artist. What did he paint? What are some of his? Uh, see, that's the thing. He's not very notable. Uh, he focused a lot on, um, I don't remember specifically, but he went to some kind of island. There's a, several islands. I know. Wait, while, while she Googles that, I'm going to discuss various islands with you. Some of my favorite <laughs> islands are the Galapagos Islands, where the giant tortoises roam freely. Side story, when Charles Darwin visited the Galapagos Islands, one of the things he did was take one of the iguanas and throw it into the ocean. And he just kept doing that all day just to see if it would ever stop, because the iguana would keep running back, and he would just keep catching it, throwing it back into the ocean. Because you see, they have no natural fear of anything on the island. There's no predators there. But when you put them in the water, there's predators. They're afraid. They're not going to want to be there. So once he kept throwing them in the water, it doesn't matter how many times they kept getting thrown in. They would just keep running right back to the island. And Charles Darwin was like, oh, my gosh, this is so fascinating. This is so interesting. And then the other things happened. But I think that's the end of the story. Did you find out what island? Uh, yes. Awesome. He uh, explored um, the French Polynesia Islands. French Polynesia. Where are those? Um, Do we have so a map we can look at? They're actually okay. right near Australia. So to the right, to the, the north, to the west of Australia. East. Oh, east, east of Australia. Of Australia. <laughs> it's okay. Directions are hard. Directions have never been something I, I'm good at. I still need the GPS to, to go anywhere. It's, it's a problem. But so he went to these islands. Uh, so that was he. A lot of his work was inspired by the natives there. And so he would paint a lot of pictures like that. Um, but he spent a good chunk of his time in France before that. So he went, was hanging out in France. And then towards the end of his time as an artist, he was in um, those Polynesian islands, I guess, the French Polynesian islands. Um, but anyways, so during Vincent van Gogh's time, he was not making a lot of money. He literally sold, I think, some people say he sold like three paintings, but I think one of his, from my, from my knowledge, he sold one painting uh, that was commissioned by a woman, and I think it was a portrait of her. And then he sold, he didn't sell two other paintings. He traded two other paintings for food and paint. 
Did he eat the paint? Because I think he might have eaten, eaten some paint. Is that a There thing? is a rumor that he ate yellow paint because it made him happy. Again, I think it might have been a little bit of craziness from the absinthe, but you never know. Anyways, back to my Paul Gagan thing, though. So Paul Gagan was like, we're going to make you... Well, okay, so Theo, Vincent's brother, was an art dealer, as I said previously, I think. Yeah, um, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> but his brother was an art dealer, and so he was talking to Vincent, and he was mainly supporting him, but Vincent wanted to make his own money. So Pogagan was like, okay, or I will help out your brother, because he was, I guess, friends with uh, Theo Van Gogh. And so Theo sent him down to Arlie's, which is where Vincent Van Gogh was at the time. And they both stayed in the yellow house together. So they kind of shared it as a studio. But it was a very cramped studio, and they got into a lot of arguments. Vincent actually painted three sunflower paintings. So the sunflowers in a vase that he painted, those were actually as a gift to Paul Gauguin because in the Netherlands, sunflowers represented friendship. Now, now what I'm hearing here is that they had a homosexual relationship. Is that correct? <laughs> no. No, they were just friends? They were just friends. Vincent van Gogh was hoping for him to be a mentor, but Paul Gauguin thought he was very odd, like a very odd person, obviously, because he was an artist and he was a little funny. And also, um, again, he was very creative and again, very different for most people so he kind of was annoyed by that and also it was a very small studio space so he kind of started to get on his nerves you know when you're in a small space with someone it gets annoying so uh, what's the age difference here is like how old are they at this time do you know we're gonna say i would say early 30s maybe okay i think paul again let's see when was he born he sounds like he could they're about the same age oh, yeah okay so i mean like maybe early 30s both of them but um but anyways so the theory is with the whole cutting off of the ear. They got into an argument. Paul Gauguin got ticked off and said, well, I'm not helping you. You're not going to succeed in anything. So basically Paul Gauguin says, I'm leaving deuces. And Vincent Van Gogh gets so upset by that that he cuts off his own ear. And they say they bring it to a prostitute, which may or not be true, may or may not be true because he brings it to a brothel. And I don't know if he's giving it to a lady that he knows there or an actual prostitute. Well, well, let's go back. You see, he didn't have any food. He had to sell his paintings for food. So he, he probably doesn't have a very active sexual life. Well, so, he actually frequented the brothel quite frequently. <laughs> incredible. Okay, so what we're thinking here is maybe he sold these paintings. And maybe when those ran out, he sold his detached ear in exchange for sexual favors. I don't know about that. That's the theory we're going to go with. I don't know about that for sure. But I do know that um, there's another theory to the cutting off of ears. So, uh, Paul Gauguin was a collector of Japanese of ears, swords. Not ears, okay. So, um, because he loved Japanese culture, he got a lot of inspiration from them. So, he had all these, like, samurai-looking swords. And so, the theory was is that he got so ticked off with Vincent Van Gogh that he cut off his ear for him because he just got mad. And they got in a fight and... That's so sad. It's so sad so, when friends fight. And here's the thing. Vincent Van Gogh was never one to, like, accuse someone else of something. So I feel like, I mean, because people said he was just, he, he'd probably rather take the blame than get someone else in trouble because he was just kind of like that. So that could be a theory that he got his hair chopped off and then went to someone that he knew and trusted and been like, this is what happened. And he did admit himself to a mental hospital. So I don't know if, I don't know, maybe he maybe he thought maybe he wasn't sane. i don't know but is anyone really sane? i know i'm not i mean i think he you might probably just... are you're the sanest person i've had on this program <laughs> yeah, that's good <laughs> <laughs> thank you um 
Yeah, but I, I really don't know. He could have submitted himself from there because he was worried he was being a burden to his brother. Or, plot twist, he was afraid that Paul would murder him, so he did it to keep himself safe. Well, Paul left. Paul was Where did like, he go? Back to France. Well, I mean, back to Paris. I think he was more on the Paris area. Hey, dear, Paris is part of France. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> sorry. Vincent Van Gogh was in Arles, so he drove back up to... Did they have cars at this time? Well... Road back up. <laughs> Road back up. I'm there. just picturing uh, Van Gogh in a Tesla skirt, skirt. <laughs> yeah. He can't get anywhere. There's no electricity yet, but he has no, one. He did. Where's my electricity? He was in the like late. So no, the... it was the late 1800s when he was alive. Oh, so there was electricity. Yeah, there was probably, electricity. But like telegrams and stuff. That doesn't count. Probably not. No. Oh, man. Everything was sent by letters at that point. So, so what, what happened to him? Was he in this, uh, Van Gogh, was he in this mental hospital for some time? Yes, he stayed in the mental hospital for a good bit. Um, and he actually grew to become friends with a lot of the people there, including the doctor there, which one of his most expensive paintings was a portrait of the doctor that he had there. And his name escapes me, but um, hold up. Interesting. This seems like a, this seems like an thing. ethical violation making paintings for the doctors. Well, Maybe he did this to get more drugs from his doctors. Let's he never that. did drugs. How do we know he never did? Uh, I think there it was mainly just an asylum, just to kind of keep him there to make sure that he didn't hurt himself. I don't think he was on any kind of medication mm. that I'm aware of. Mm. Hmm. Dr. Gatchet, that was his name. That sounds like a villain from a very bad movie. <laughs> it's actually one of his most expensive paintings that, sold. He looks like someone took a sledgehammer and just sledged his head in with it. Uh, I mean, it might just have been his style. I'm I don't like that sure. painting. It's terrible. Did painting. you know the Starry Night was actually painted in the asylum? I didn't know that. That's my favorite one. Yes. Yeah, so while he was in the mental asylum through the bars of his window, he saw, um, he looked over. And actually, the Starry Night is really cool because it not only shows... Um, the later evening, but it, as he's like going along through the painting throughout the nighttime, half of the painting you see stars that would only be visible late at night, and then the other half of the painting it starts to go into morning. So you're seeing like, it's like stuff a progression of time. That's mm -hmm. very interesting. I have Starry Night socks. That those are my favorite. I socks. do too. Oh, nice, nice. I have to. So, so what happened? He's in this institution, and then th th does he die there? Does he get out? What? Happens? Uh, no. So, um. He does start to go outside and paint some nature because that's what he likes to do. And um, he loves going outside. He actually uh, aspired to do a lot of the stuff that Monet did, uh, Claude Monet, because Claude Monet was one of the people who made um, end plein air painting very popular. So end plein air is painting outside because a lot of times people would just look at pictures and paint what they saw or look outside and then come back to their studio and paint what they saw. That, that seems difficult. Like, okay, I can't... I paints one thing, runs back outside, comes back in. That I mean, that's a good way to get a workout in, but still, it doesn't seem very practical. Well, and you have to think about the elements, too, because having to have paint with possible wind. Uh, if you look at old Claude Monet paintings, if he did them on the beach, there are some paintings that have bits of sand stuck to the painting. Oh, that's probably really valuable sand. <laughs> exactly. You know, a very valuable painting. But anyway, what happens? He paints the Starry Night, and then he becomes famous and lives happily ever after. Oh, no. Has seven children, three dogs, and one cat. Actually, not. Oh, bummer. Poor he guy. never finds love. He dated a lot of women throughout his time. One now, of were them these being women his... prostitutes? One was actually. Oh. So one was a prostitute, and she was pregnant, and so he took care of her. 
for a little while. That's so nice of him. Was his the child his? No, the child was not his. Oh, bummer. Poor yeah, guy. but he was nice, kind enough, and I mean, he treated when it was born and stuff like that. He treated it like it was his other child. That much. is so nice. Good for him. But it just didn't work out with him because he wasn't making money, and she, I think, ended up moving back to where she, I think they moved together or something. So he, he dated a lot of people. Almost well, his cousin. He well, was planning no, on marrying his cousin. Did know this was his cousin? Yes, he did. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But they ideal. didn't end up getting together either. He never he never got married, um, and he never had any kids with anyone as far as I'm aware of. Um, but, yeah, so women didn't go very well. Art, again, he was very good at it, but no one really saw his potential. He probably wasn't a sociable person, I would think. He was not. He yeah. was very socially awkward. I think he was kind to anyone he um, came into contact with, but a lot of people just didn't like it. And at the time, if you weren't a successful artist painting, like, if you didn't go to like some fancy school, which he did go to school, but he didn't go to anything fancy. He didn't graduate from it, obviously, or finish with it. Um, but if they looked at you and you didn't really have any proper training and your paintings kind of didn't look like the ones in the Louvre at the time, uh, they would kind of look at you and be like, yeah, you're a loser. So he had no training. He just did all this stuff on his own. Um, he, he was in a school in Paris, France for a little bit, but because of the cost and just because a lot of people kind of looked at his work and were like, eh. Now, did he, was he, did he grow up in poverty? Um, so his dad was actually a pastor. Um, That's very interesting. And actually that was one of the careers he wanted to try. He wanted to become a pastor. Uh, well, he started off as a teacher, but he didn't like that. He became a pastor. Um, and they, he actually got kicked out of seminary. Really? What did he do to get kicked out? Uh, I think his ideas were a little bit loftier than that, what they were comfortable with. And so they were like, yeah, we don't really want you there. Then he became a missionary in um, the Netherlands. This is so interesting. So, yeah, he tried out a lot of different careers. He was even an art dealer a little bit with his brother, but just didn't really get along with that and really wanted to paint. He actually has a sketch of a bunch of cicadas. And he said, like, the desire to paint is like the screeching sound of, like, a cicada. Like, he was so, like, you know how cicadas are annoying? He said, like, the desire to paint was so annoying that he just kind of had to go with it and do it. So, so it says here, I, I did some research just now. It says the official reason that he was removed because they said his speech wasn't eloquent enough. But the actual reason was that he didn't really behave according to the expectations. That's so interesting. Yeah, so he did not get to do his pastor work, even though he had a he had a passion for um, the Christian faith and stuff. I mean, like he was he was very engulfed in it, but he just he was very he was a very um, eccentric person, right? Yes. I imagine, yeah. yeah. Doesn't seem like he has very many friends. Seems kind of bizarre. Very bizarre. Like I, I imagine walking up in the streets of Charlotte, someone walking up to me eating yellow paint. I would be a little <laughs> little conflicted. I mean, I was like, I don't think this is a this is a great person but maybe he is you know we shouldn't judge people if they eat paint <laughs> maybe they've got some sort of reason for that so so how does he die is it suicide so i watched a really good um video on buzzfeed it was like the different theories behind it and there is the concept of suicide that a lot of people want to consider i hope i'm allowed to say that i guess there should be a trigger warning about suicide the, the word suicide i don't think that's a frowned upon word oh no i mean like i know in some like some platforms are like you can't say that word or you have to bleep it out because of like well, i've never heard triggering this. thing yeah this is this is news to me i've never you heard might have to bleep out the word uh, i don't i don't know how to do any kind of bleeping so that will not be done but anyway we'll be back later for part three where we will talk about his death and resurrection as our <laughs> Lord and Savior. And that's why we celebrate Easter. <laughs> she didn't say no, that means it's true. <laughs> All 
All right, and we're back to talk about how this uh, this wonderful character uh, had a lot of problems. How did he die? I'm going to guess suicide. Uh, well, actually, suicide has been the historically recorded thing that has happened. However, a lot of people have debated that. You see, Vincent Van Gogh was a strong Christian, so, of course, at that time he believed that um, suicide was actually a grave sin. So that would be one of the reasons why he probably didn't kill himself. Secondly, he did not own a gun, which is the supposed murder weapon. And the angle at which he shot the gun was very Very sus. It was strange for someone to shoot themselves. Like, typically suicide, like, you know, but the angle was like, I think it was like pointed up through his rib cage like this. That's such a strange, I've never heard of someone killing, suiciding by a gunshot through their rib cage upwards. That's very bizarre. Well, and that's why he was in a hilly area. And so here's like the first theory. So there were these two boys that lived in the same village that he did. One of them was interested in Vincent Van Gogh as the older brother, and he wanted to learn a little bit more. I don't remember Interested in, like, romantically? No, no, no. In, lear- <laughs> in learning uh, about art and stuff like that, he wanted to be a painter as well. So he kind of um, watched Vincent Van Gogh and learned from him. However, his younger brother was not into the arts. He was more into hunting and fishing and things of that nature. So what I'm understanding here, this is... This is what the Eminem song Stan is based off of. One of his fans is becoming so obsessed with him that it is taking him to dangerous levels. Well, actually, no. His younger brother liked to pick on... The younger brother of the two brothers liked to pick on Vincent Van Gogh a lot. And, funny enough, he had several guns at home because he was a hunter. So, to piss off his brother, who was really a fan of this guy, he went and killed him. (laughs) Well, no. Actually, um, so the theory is is that it, it could have been one of two things. The whole village didn't really like him, so there's a very good chance that he might have just tried to kill him. Or it could have been an accident. Uh, you know, again, he was out in nature a lot because he did in plain air art. And so there's a very good possibility that he was just chilling out there painting. And when that one younger brother was hunting in that same area, uh, a stray bullet might have gone and hit him. We don't really know. Hmm. So it's up for debate on how he died. I really I really don't know. There's a lot of signs pointing to the fact that he did not. But again, mental health is a big part of it. Because, I mean, a lot of people say he had depression. And um, I think they said he had, like, bipolar disorder as well. So I'm not really sure if that played into it or not. I mean, it could have. But I think it's bizarre for a person who doesn't own a gun, isn't okay with suicide, religiously right so how would he even if he doesn't own a gun i imagine it's the gun laws back then are a little more difficult than they are now unfortunately so how would he even acquire it like how do you go about if he doesn't own one i imagine it'd be difficult if he knew someone that did maybe he could have borrowed it it, i wish we had fingerprint analysis we could have figured this out and now we'll never know yeah and that's the thing we really don't have like the technology we do nowadays or like the resources that we have nowadays to kind of track down how it happened um, the funny part is, is that when he, um, when he was found shot, because he did not die when he, sh- when he got shot, he actually died three days later of infection. So what did he say happened? Well, uh, he actually told the doctor, he was like, yeah, you know, it was me or whatever. Like he said, no one did this to me, which I think is kind of suspicious when you say That's like. That's really weird wording. Yeah. It's like, he, I don't remember the exact verbatim, but I think it was something along the lines of like, you know, no one was responsible for this. That guy who just happened to be hunting and also have lots of guns. He definitely didn't do this. <laughs> he definitely, definitely wasn't. It sounds a little suspicious, but again, I mean, that's just a theory. 
And again, you don't have really a lot of records of Vincent van Gogh. The main resources that we have to learn about Vincent van Gogh's life, because he wasn't famous or anything really at the time, was his letters to Theo, which were a big, like there you can literally buy a book on his letters back and forth to his brother Theo, um, which tells us a lot about him. Does it seem like he's really depressed in those letters? He talks a lot of the discussion of death, but I think it's not necessarily a depressed conversation of death. It's more of a, hey, you know, I'm interested on the topic kind of thing. But again, he was no not pro-suicide. Again, he, he kind of had that old like church mentality that if you killed yourself. Is this, is this a Catholic area? Heaven. Uh, I believe he was like a Dutch lutheran or dutch okay yeah they believe the same thing about suicide anyway probably pretty similar yeah um so i personally believe he didn't but there's a lot of people thinking other ways pay no attention to the mysterious sounds in the background yeah we have people over i've told them all they have to be quiet and not make any noise for the duration of this this event it's okay but we're almost done all right so this is the part where he comes back to life (laughs) <laughs> actually no uh, he dies in 1889 i believe uh so he doesn't make it to the turn of the century bummer i know and that, was he old, old was he old at this point was he young How... he was 35 oh, i want to say so young you know 35 is the age you have to be to be president so in theory he could have been president but now he never can i know right he died fairly like i don't remember if it was exactly 35 and it was around that area Again, I'm really bad with numbers. I know a lot about our history, but don't ask me about dates and numbers. I'm I am so bad it. with dates. I know that um, this morning I had breakfast, but anything before that is lost to me, date-wise, <laughs> chronology-wise. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all we have. He didn't come back to life. Uh, he did not. That's a bit of a bummer. But uh, he did make a huge success in the end. I mean, most of his paintings sell for, like, over... Like, I think the Starry Night is worth, like... Gosh, like it's maybe a hundred billion. Like it's pretty much priceless. That's what they've said. Like you can't put a price on the Starry Night. And what are some of his other paintings? Um, his sunflower series. He had a sunflower series in France, and then he had a sun or sorry, a sunflower series in Paris, and then a sunflower series in um Arles. So those were his two big ones. Again, the one he did in Arles was for his friend Gauguin. One in Paris, you mainly see like these kind of sunflowers just hanging out. The one in Arles you see in like these nice pretty jars. Um, So yeah. This is just, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the program. I'm glad I was able to educate you about all these things. I hope you (laughs) learned a lot from me because that's what Lessons with Mike is all about. Teaching the uneducated masses of society about these important things that are very very critical to their understanding of society and, and the universe and life itself. Do you have any final thoughts? Thank you, Mike, for sharing all of your knowledge and these amazing questions to consider and contemplate. <laughs> that was so nice of you. Most people <laughs> insult me at that point. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it was, this was fun. It was. I had a good time. And all I right. love talking about Vince Mingo, so this is great. Tune in next time. We're probably going to talk about something else. Probably wouldn't talk about the same thing. That'd kind of be pointless. Mm. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>